Welcome to worship at MCC Lehigh Valley. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley. How great it is to join together today in the Lord's house. If you could please rise as able, let's join together in saying our church's purpose statement. MCCLV's purpose is to worship and serve God through acts of justice and compassion. And if you can now turn to your neighbor, share a sign of the Lord's peace, give a wave. If you're worshiping online, go ahead and type peace into the comments, send the peace emoji. How great it is to come together today to worship our God. Let's join now in our call to worship. God is our guardian and guide. In our worship today, let us remember all the ways God has guided us and liberated us. On this day, may we rely on God in all things and for the many days to come. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship. Sing this song. 
God's holy place. Uh, this is sacred space, right? This is safe space. And we have established praying ground here. If you are worshiping with MCCLV online and you have a prayer request today, just type that prayer request directly into the comments. We want to send all of our positive prayer energy, not only to those who are worshiping online, also, uh, of course, those worshiping uh, in person here in the sanctuary. I'm going to pause in just a moment, and into that pause, everyone is invited to uh, share your prayer requests, uh, beloved ones in our lives who are in need of prayer, attention, a situation, a circumstance, you can just speak that uh, into this space. And so I'm going to pause now. Let's take a moment and let's lift up our prayers to our God who hears. You are a God of miracles and healing, and we are so grateful, Lord God. Sometimes you come gently into our lives, and at other times you shake us up. You grab our attention, and we are changed. We're so grateful that we can turn to you at any time, that you lovingly provide us with peace and with grace and forgiveness and joy and spiritual power. And we humbly ask that your spirit move through this time of worship. If there's anyone here today in need of physical healing, we boldly ask your healing, Lord God. If there's anyone here today who is in need of mental healing, we boldly ask your healing, Lord God. And if there's anyone worshiping today who is in need of spiritual healing, we boldly ask that you pour out your healing, Lord God. Heal any unforgiveness. Heal any hardness of heart that we may be holding on to. Heal any place in our lives where we may feel stuck. Break any chain that keeps us from you. Bless our worship service today and transform us. We pray and let's all say, amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing We're near. 
Good morning, children. My name is Ray Joseph. I'm the Minister for Administration here at MCCLV, and I bring you greetings from my home in Walnutport. Well, children, we'd like to take a moment to pray a blessing over you. And so, church, if you join me, loving God, we thank you and praise you for the gift of children everywhere. God, today we ask and pray your safety and protection over them and we ask that you continue to help them grow and thrive and become the best version of themselves that they can be. God, we ask that you remind them that you love them always, no matter what. And remind them that you are always with them and always there to listen whenever they need to talk. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Ray Joseph. I am the Minister for Administration here at MCCLV, and I bring you greetings from my home in Walnutport. Now, I give to God through MCCLV because I believe in MCCLV's mission of spreading the message of God's inclusive love. In my few short years at MCCLV, I've seen how many in our community and beyond have begun to grow and rekindle their relationship with God after being told that God doesn't love them or they can't worship God. I think this message of God's inclusive love is so important that I wanna make sure that MCCLV is gonna be around for many, many years to come so that anytime someone in our community or beyond begins to question if God loves them, MCCLV will be there to tell them that God does love them. Growing up, I was very fortunate to have a mom who believed that money was not something to be accumulated, but it was something to be used to help those who were struggling in the community. For today, you can give your offering online by going to MCCLV's website at www.mcclv.org. Click on the donate button on the homepage where you can give via credit card, PayPal, Venmo, Apple Pay, or Google Pay. You may also write a check to MCCLV and mail it to the church at 1401 Greenview Drive in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, 18018. For those who are present in person, the offering basket will be shared momentarily during the worship service. God has given us every good thing. Let us now take a moment to return to God a portion 
of all that God has so graciously given to us. Our reading today comes from chapter 16 from the book of Acts. Hear God's word for you. One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a woman servant who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These people are enslaved to the Most High God, who proclaimed to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought out them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The scripture passage tells us today that Paul and Silas, they were put in prison for proclaiming a spirituality that was different, that was different than the Roman system of God's. And so what do we hear? That a government official uh, directs a jailer to put Paul and Silas in an innermost cell and to place stocks on their feet. Imagine for just a moment how excruciating that must have been for Paul and Silas in this innermost cell with stocks, chains. Their, Their feet are chained. They cannot move. Imagine how excruciating that must have been for them. And what is their response to this brutality? How do Paul and Silas respond to this brutality? They sing hymns, right? They sing hymns. Now, we all get stuck sometimes in our lives. We all do. And what we have learned is that It's a temporary thing that eventually we do become unstuck with God's help. But I do want us to pray for just a moment here toward the start of today's message. Let's pray for anyone who is feeling in a stuck place, who's feeling uh, immovable, who's feeling paralyzed. So let's just take a moment. We're just going to take a moment of prayer. Lord God, you know that there is someone worshiping today, whether it's in person, whether it's online, there's someone worshiping today who is feeling stuck. 
And so, God, we turn to you. We entrust them to your care. We know, Lord God, that you are a liberator, that you free your people. And so whoever is feeling stuck, know that this is just a temporary thing. God is going to get you unstuck soon and very soon. Amen. Amen, amen. So, what is, what is going on in this passage today? Well, when we have been stuck in our lives before, when we are placed in an innermost cell and cannot move, we can always start singing like Paul and Silas. And scripture tells us that the other prisoners were listening to them. Sometimes we think no one is paying attention, right? But oftentimes, there are people who are keeping an eye on us. Their ears are tuned in because they know on some level that we're a spiritual person, right? Maybe we've said it. Maybe we said, you know, uh, I'm such and such, I'm a member at such and such a church. Maybe we've told people that we are spiritual, so they're tuning in. They are looking at us, wondering how we will respond. And let's remember this, spiritual people respond to situations and circumstances differently than others. This doesn't make spiritual people superior in any way, all right? Just means that spiritual people are different and respond to situations differently. So folks who have made spiritual commitments are going to respond to situations with a spiritual response. It doesn't matter if it's a positive situation or a negative situation. Spiritual people respond to all situations spiritually. And what does that mean? Well, it means putting the focus on God, providing a godly perspective, calling on God, praising God. Let me give an example. Let's pretend it's just a miserable day at work, okay? Well, maybe that's not too hard to pronounce. Anyway, yeah, it's just a, it's a miserable day at work, just a really rough day. Nothing is going right. And we can start complaining, right, and kind of stir up other people to start complaining, or we can have a different response. Now, I know it's a little bit dicey to start singing hymns at work, okay? So I'm not going to recommend that, but... We can always sing 80s songs, right? Okay. How about a little comma, 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 chameleon when it's a rough day at work, right? This is Thriller. Or how about a little bit of Prince, Purple Rain, right? We can start singing in response to just a rough time, a rough day at work when we're stuck in a long traffic jam. We can start honking and, and fussing, or we can start praising God and singing hymns. Um, Several years ago, this was pre-pandemic, I was stuck at the Philadelphia airport. It was an hours long delay. It was a really long delay. And it was Christmas day, um, and a couple hours into the delay, a family started singing Christmas carols right there in the waiting area. And then another family, a Jewish family, started singing a Dreidel song. And it was just a wonderful moment in the Philadelphia airport. And what that singing did is it really de-escalated the anxiety and the anger that everyone uh, was feeling. And eventually, um, uh, we did get off the ground. Uh, many years ago, I was living in Mobile, Alabama for a time, and I had to get back to my home state of Iowa uh, for a family graduation party, and it was a 16-hour drive, right? Mobile, Alabama to central Iowa, and I wanted to complete as much of that drive in one day as possible. Okay, I was young and dumb. I was in my 20s. Okay, so that, that's just sort of the background, right? Um, and so what did I do to get me through that 16-hour drive? I'm going to share with you three cassette tapes that got me through that 16-hour drive. Are you ready? Elvis Gospel album. Can I get an amen to that? The Elvis Gospel album, right? I don't know how many times I played that. And then there was Whitney Houston, the Preacher's Wife soundtrack. Amen. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Dolly Parton. I had a Dolly Parton album. 
Slow Dancing with the Moon <laughs> was the name of that album. So music and prayer can get us through some difficult situations, some challenging situations. And if the situation is actually positive, the music and prayer does what? Well, it can point us toward the one to whom we give our praise and our glory. Paul and Silas are in shackles, and they start singing. They start singing. Now, why did they land in prison? Well, let's take a closer look at today's scripture passage. It's from the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the story of the early Christian church. Jesus is no longer on earth in the same way, but the Jesus movement, it continues in the book of Acts. And uh, we follow these early Christian leaders as they plant the church. It's a very exciting book, the book of Acts. Now, the setting for today's scripture passage is the city of Philippi, and this is in modern-day Greece. And Paul and his traveling companions, they run into this woman who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money through fortune-telling. Now, slavery was common in ancient times. Sadly, this woman had no agency. She was owned by others. Now, she was good at her job, uh, but she worked for shady people who were only interested in making more and more money off of her. Now, the woman is not named, and that's often the case in the Bible. Now, despite having no social status, the woman is very spiritually tuned in because she recognized that Paul and his co-workers are from God. In fact, what does the woman do? She follows Paul and his companions all around the city of Philippi, shouting, these people are enslaved to the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. And the woman, she kept this up for many days, following Paul and his group, shouting about them. And Paul was getting annoyed. Although this woman had rightly discerned that they were about the Lord, the problem was that the people of Philippi could too easily believe that the woman was referring to the pagan gods, right? That Roman system of pagan gods. Christianity wasn't known at the time, and a pagan audience would have no context for it. And they would assume that this woman, doing the fortune telling, was praising the pagan gods. And so what Paul does is he recognizes that there's a demon at work in this, in this woman. There's a demonic presence. So in the first miracle of the scripture passage today, hold on, there's going to be four miracles that I'm going to mention. But the first miracle in the scripture passage today is that Paul performs an exorcism, okay? And the demonic presence is removed from the woman. And Paul says to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the demon comes out of the woman. Praise be to God. Miracle number one has occurred. But sometimes the outcomes from a miracle are not always completely happy. And so let's all say, uh-oh. Right? Uh-oh, right? The people who owned the woman saw that something had changed in her. And because of this transformation, because of this exorcism, she could no longer perform her fortune-telling. This hit the pocketbooks of her owners, right? They're furious. And the owners of the woman, they seize Paul and Silas. They drag them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them before the magistrates, they accused Paul and Silas of creating a disturbance, a public disturbance. And, and the owners of this fortune-telling woman, they say, these men are disturbing our city. They're Jews. They're advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or to observe. Now, of course, they don't have much of a charge, right, against Paul and Silas, but that doesn't matter because the people who are accusing Paul and Silas have the support of a mob. And we hear that a crowd joined in attacking Paul and Silas. And it gets worse because the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing, ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had been given a severe flogging, they threw them into prison, right? Uh, jailers told to, kept, to keep them securely. They're put in that innermost cell. And then at about midnight, we hear that Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly an earthquake so violent came, an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came unfastened. This is miracle number two, right? Miracle number one, the exorcism. Miracle number two is a violent earthquake that doesn't kill any of the prisoners. Now the area of Philippi was known as a seismically active area. 
Okay, so earthquakes were actually pretty common in the area, but not violent earthquakes. Violent earthquakes were pretty rare in the area. And God works through the disaster to shake up the foundations, not just of the prison, but also to shake up the hearts of those who are in charge. Now, at first, there's panic, right? We hear that the jailer woke up and, and saw the prison doors wide open. He drew his sword. He was about to kill himself since he supposed that all the prisoners had escaped. You know, jailers had responsibilities to secure prisoners. And when prisoners escaped, jailers often paid for it with their lives. Uh, but Paul is not going to let this jailer hurt himself. And this is miracle number three. Right? A life on the brink is saved. Paul shouts in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer calls for the lights. And rushing in, the jailer fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. The jailer's life is saved and restored. And he is so touched, he is so moved by what's happened that when the jailer brought Paul and Silas outside, he asked, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas answer, believe on the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. So Paul and Silas, they speak the word of the Lord to the jailer and to all who are in his house. And then the fourth and final miracle of the story occurs. The jailer took Paul and Silas, washed their wounds. What a beautiful scene. The jailer washes the wounds of Paul and Silas. Imagine, you know, feet being in, in stocks and, and chains around us. That's going to cause um, wounds. So the jailer washes their wounds. He and his entire family were baptized without delay. Food was brought. His entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. Miracle number four is the baptism of one who had oppressed others. Okay, so four miracles in today's scripture passage. I'm not sure which one I enjoy the most. Miracle number one, the exorcism of the demon. Miracle number two, the earthquake that liberates all of the prisoners. Miracle number three, the saving of the jailer's life. Miracle number four, the baptism of the jailer's entire household, liberating them to live life in a new way. You get a miracle, you get a miracle, you get a miracle. We all get a miracle today. We all get a miracle. God's freedom and liberation is provided, although it comes in a pretty uncomfortable way. Few of us like to be shaken up, right? Few of us like to be shaken up by an earthquake or by anything else. We often prefer things to be calm and steady, predictable, so that we may maintain an illusion of control. But being shaken up, it's not just about enduring a challenging situation. It's also about discerning God's presence in the midst of it all. Now, had an earthquake not happened, the jailer might have gone about his job in the same way that he did every day, not giving it much thought, locking people up, putting on the shackles, checking the chains to make sure that they were strong. And we don't know what happens exactly to the jailer after his baptism, right? Maybe he continued being a jailer, but maybe he treated the prisoners with a whole lot more compassion. Who knows? Maybe the jailer became a prison abolitionist. We don't know the specifics. But we can be confident of this. The jailer, he was not going to go about life in the same way as he had done previously. Sometimes God has to shake us up to get our attention. We can become pretty zoned out in our day-to-day -day lives. Maybe I should use I language there. I can become pretty zoned out in my day-to-day -day life, right? We can get stuck in ruts and in routines. So sometimes God visits our lives with a violent earthquake, a shaking up that frees us, that liberates us. And what I especially love about today's passage is that it points out that it's not just Paul and Silas who are in need of liberation, okay? It's not just Paul and Silas. The jailer is also in need of liberation. People who are oppressed 
and people who are oppressors are both in need of liberation. We all need to be set free from something. And maybe there's someone worshiping today who needs to be liberated from a challenging situation. Maybe there's someone worshiping today who needs to be liberated from a controlling relationship. Maybe there's someone here today who needs to be liberated from a job. And maybe there's someone here today who needs to be liberated from shame. A really important month is the month of May. Why? Because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it's long past time that churches around the world proclaim liberation from shame about a mental health diagnosis. The pandemic has been a lot harder on our mental health than we may realize. And all age groups have had their mental health impacted by this pandemic. Children, teens, young adults, people who are middle-aged, seniors, elderly, Every age group has been impacted by this pandemic. And there's absolutely nothing shameful or bad or wrong about having depression or a mental health diagnosis. And can I get an amen to that? Amen, yes. It is an illness, not a character flaw. According to Johns Hopkins Medicine, an estimated 26% of Americans age 18 or older, 26%, about one in four adults, has a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. I actually think that that percentage might be a little low, but 26%, one in four adults. And the, the church is a key part of the healing process in managing a mental health diagnosis, but the church cannot provide for every aspect of restoration, okay? Now, just as we wouldn't expect a pastor to perform heart surgery if they haven't been to medical school, right? Uh, we wouldn't expect a pastor to provide mental health therapy if they are not a licensed counselor. Okay, we wouldn't expect church leaders to dispense medications that help with maintaining mental health. We rely on the healthcare system to do this. And I think the modern day miracle is this. The modern day miracle is when everyone is working together, right? When the church, the healthcare system, the family, the neighborhood, the school, the workplace are all working together to provide for the health and well-being of all of God's people. Now, only a handful of churches around the country have uh, counseling centers attached to them. And I've been saying this for a while, that if MCCLV had a, an extra couple million dollars, right, extra million dollars here and there, it would be great to build a counseling center connected to the church. And at the MCCLV Counseling Center, when it comes about, it will be a place where people can receive therapy as well as spiritual direction. Now, in the meantime, while we wait for that to be built, for that to come to pass, uh, at MCCLV we offer referrals. And every church, every church can lift up prayer. And let's remember, prayer is a vital and transformative part of the healing journey. Every church can offer prayer and something called a ministry of presence. What's a ministry of presence? Well, that means being present with people in the valleys and on the mountaintops, walking with people, talking with people, praying with people who are dealing with a physical or mental health diagnosis. So every church can provide prayer, a ministry of presence. Every church can provide spiritual formation classes where people may grow in their understanding of God and God's people. And spiritual growth, always a part of the healing process. And we have to care for one another, whether it's a physical or mental health diagnosis. And I do wanna share just a few resources. These are listed in your bulletin today. Uh, really important top resource listed. I think it's on this next slide, too. Uh, right, 741741. That is a crisis text line. Okay, this is staffed, 741741. It's staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can contact them from anywhere in the United States. And trained crisis counselors 
are on hand. So you just text the word HOME to 741-741. It's free, completely free mental health support. We also have a National Alliance of Mental Illness, Lehigh Valley chapter. It provides support for a variety of mental illnesses. Another local organization in your bulletin that's listed, it's Haven House, provides mental health services to residents throughout the Lehigh Valley area. Programs are available to individuals age 14 and up. And I also want to share that last uh, website there, www.psychologytoday.com. What is that? Well, you can go on that website and you, you type in your zip code and all, like a whole list of counselors will come up who are uh, in that zip code. And I want to mention this because this wasn't available 20 years ago, okay, where on the listing, it lists uh, their specialty. So if uh, they have a specialty with uh, teens and young adults, uh, if they have a specialty with family therapy, and if they have a specialty with LGBT people, and that's been a big change, okay? A big change in the past couple of decades. So psychology today, I've referred a number of people to this site. Again, just type in uh, the zip code and uh, contact a counselor who seems to be um, a good fit there. And let's remember this, that God is always present. God is always present. Yes, God is always present when we are shaken up. And then sometimes God does provide us with additional resources like counselors and mental health advocates and support groups to help us to care for our mental health. Praise God that God frees us, liberates us from shame and sets us on a path to healing and wholeness. God liberates us from all sorts of shackles and God shakes us up so that we're able to see God at work. And I'd like for us to pray especially today uh, for any person who's worshiping here, uh, whether online or in person, for any person who is struggling with a mental health diagnosis, or maybe there's someone worshiping today, maybe not struggling personally uh, with a mental health diagnosis, but maybe a family member has received a mental health diagnosis, a friend, a coworker has received a diagnosis. So, so let's, uh, let's be in prayer and let's uh, center ourselves, let's focus ourselves on our God of freedom and liberation. And we thank you and praise you, God, that you provide us with freedom and, and liberation and healing from physical diagnoses and mental health diagnoses. And we especially, Lord God, especially today, we lift up to you our beloved ones, who are managing a mental health diagnosis. We especially lift up to you anyone who may be struggling at this time. We thank you, God, that you have worked through so many people to provide for healing and hope. We thank you, God, for the gifts that you have provided to uh, counselors and physicians and um, uh, support group leaders and just any number of people. Thank you for providing them with the gifts and the energy uh, to support those who have a mental health diagnosis. God, help us to talk about mental health without shame, without judgment, uh, Lord God. And thank you that you have given the church such a clear ministry to be in prayer with and for others to be present with and for others, whether in the deepest valley or on the highest mountaintop, and to provide opportunities for spiritual growth. Thank you, Lord God. We're truly all in this together. Amen. When sorrow 
My sin God be with you. 
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Praise God for this inclusive table of love and praise God for the gift of Jesus Christ. On the night on which Jesus was given over to suffering and death through the betrayal of a friend, on this night, Jesus took bread. And after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, Jesus broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Then Jesus took the cup, and after he had blessed it and given thanks for it, he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of your sins and for the sins of the whole world. Let us take a moment of silent confession to confess to God all we may have done or failed to do to keep in right relationship with God. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the gift of bread. In laying this gift before you, we remember our calling to be compassionate servants of your chosen one, Jesus. We remember how he healed the sick, fed the hungry, and loved the loveless. We give you thanks, O oh God, for the gift of this cup and the forgiveness of our sin. Bless this cup as we drink it. By the power of resurrection, bring each of us to a new life of servanthood, that we might sing your praise and give you the glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Well, our faith is a mixture of past, present, and future. We remember what God did for us in Christ. We experience now the spirit of the living Christ, and we look forward to God's continuing promise to us of growth and new life. And so we proclaim the mystery of our faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Know that communion in metropolitan community churches is an open communion. You need not be a member of this church or any church to take part in this meal. All are truly welcome at God's table. Let us now enjoy this meal together. Well, church, will you join me in prayer? Almighty and eternal God, we thank you that your love is broad enough to embrace the whole world, yet personal enough to reach out to each one of us. Within the circle of that love, we have gathered around this table of fellowship. 
We pray that we may express our thankfulness as we share your love and compassion with others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And church, if you could please rise as able. Let's join in saying our commission and blessing. God of protection, you are our liberator and guide. As we go forth from this place, help us to liberate and free others, just as you have done for us. Amen. Let us go now to love and serve the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen.